0: It's Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkonda Reya. It's business, but it's personal.
1: Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining me. Jazz Shapers is the place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And right alongside them we put someone who's shaping the world of business. We call them a business shaper. I'm very pleased to say my business shaper today is Anna Joss. She's the founder and CEO at Prism The Gift Fund, an incredibly clever idea around giving and philanthropic things. And not only that, she's the founder of a couple of other related businesses too. Anna, thank you for joining me. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Tell me a little bit about what Prism The Gift Fund does, because I, I imagine that those who know it know it really well and those who don't don't know anything about it.
0: Of course. So it is a UK-registered charity And simply, it administers the giving of individuals, groups and foundations making significant gifts to charities all over the world. And we educate them how to do it tax effectively as well. So if you've ever heard the term donor advised fund, that is actually an American term. That is what we are and that is what we want the whole of the UK to know about.
1: In, the, in America, giving is a big business. In this country, less so. Not in the sense of the amounts people donate, but just the, the structure around it, the industry. Tell me why you thought back in, I think it was 2004, yes, around then, that's why right. you thought this would be a good idea.
0: So in the early 2000s, the whole notion of philanthropy and professionalising philanthropy moved from America into the UK. And there were other people looking at structures and looking at what can we create. And I was very much part of those conversations and did about a year and a half's worth of research, looked at prospective clients, looking at that American model. Things like Fidelity in America, the Rockefeller Foundation have donor advised funds and thought, you know what? There is an opportunity in this country to create this, but really targeting the mid upper end of the market.
1: Now, what were you doing before this happened, before you decided to become an entrepreneur?
0: I've had various different, different areas of of involvement in my life. But just before that, I had been involved in setting up and running a financial services operation called Regent Capital. And that still runs today. And I I have a great smart business partner, Gideon, who works with me alongside that. Um, And my passion was philanthropy, though. So on the back of Regent Capital, I I then created Prison the Gift Fund.
1: And I believe also you were involved in, as the Director of Investor Relations at Yazam. I was. Yes. So, so so the world of technology back in 2000, which was almost like the Wild West then, I imagine.
0: Well, I had been running the British operation. I'd set up actually the British arm of an Israeli-American charity. Ran that for six years. Learned huge amounts from the Americans where I first got all these ideas. But high tech was developing. And I thought I need... To be part of that, mm. and Yazam had grown again from a bank in Israel. They'd raised seventy-five million dollars from Apex Merrill Lynch, J.P. Morgan. We're looking for the first European UK director. I knew nothing, but ended up as that person. And very early on, realised this had to be a financially regulated company. So I became financially regulated it was fabulous it was like being in an offbeat ad every day going into the office which i set up on big i set up all my offices around w1 baker street because it was very good for home and bus routes um, so there we were and very early on it bought a company which you may have heard of called first tuesday which was big in the high tech world at that point bringing entrepreneurs and investors together it was like a reverse takeover but anyway i learnt a lot in a very short space of time before it all imploded. But what it gave me were financial skills and I was financially regulated so I could go on and create Regent Capital.
1: Stay with me to find out how my very strategically smart business shaper Anna Joss has collected chips of experience from all sorts of places to enable her to deliver a different and innovative way of giving here in the UK. That's Anna Joss, founder and CEO at Prism, the gift fund. Time for some more music. This is Stevie Wonder with one of my all-time favourites. It's Superstition. (laughs) Superstition from Stevie Wonder, I know you know that because it's such a brilliant track. Anna Jost my business shaper, founder and CEO at Prism, The Gift Fund, and we're talking about um, exporting, or rather importing, really brilliant stuff that's going on elsewhere. I've always thought about, uh, of, of businesses that are working elsewhere, or ideas, that it's a bit like time travel. You've gone back in time a little bit, you jumped in the TARDIS, you've gone and grabbed the idea, Anna, and then you brought it here, but because we haven't seen it here, it works when you did that in 2004, I imagine people thought you were slightly nuts because it was so new that no one had really seen it.
0: Well, there is a big government body that is our main our main competitor, um, but it's a very different animal. The whole ethos of Prism is it's efficient, it's personal, it's swift. So when a donor comes to us, and increasingly because of the regulatory environment we exist in, they don't want to create their own grant making foundation they open an account with us the donor advised fund and they get a relationship manager and they simply say oh I'd like to make a gift of ten thousand pounds to cancer research mm. and off it goes within 48 hours
1: um, and they not doing it themselves what's the benefit to them because well, they obviously pay you a fee for they
0: do origin. they are time poor they often don't keep a record for their giving they frankly don't understand gift aid let alone any other tax benefit that exists for philanthropy so there is, at the moment, about seven hundred and fifty million pounds unclaimed every year in Gift Aid.
1: And when you set this up, was it was there a kind of um, a sense that it was it slow at the beginning, or, or was there a very quick pickup?
0: No, it it was slow. It's hard grafting. Lots of fundraisers always come and knock on my door and expect me to hand them major donors and I say there is no magic wand, it's called hard graft. And that's what it was until we reached a momentum where the private client industry of banks and law firms and accountants got to know us as we as we literally knocked on their doors and did their due diligence and started referring in and then clients started referring clients. And that has become a snowball effect. And I would say right now the biggest challenge is managing the growth and dealing with the constant request of new clients coming in dealing with staff dealing with we've got three ads out at the moment for, for, for new opportunities
1: uh, and how um how much money now are you essentially helping people give
0: last year we gave out 20 million pounds um every year in the last three years we've raised approximately 20 to 30 million coming in and we have about 70 to 80 million under management. So when we look at success or growth, we've got to look at each of those elements because what's the overall objective to get as much money out there? So each of those pieces, the income, the output, and what's under management are all important pieces of the puzzle. When donors come to us, um, they often give us hundreds of thousands and multi-millions and they may say, you know what, in year one, I'm going to give out £200,000 to the following 10 charities and I want the balance asset managed my personal wealth sits with I don't know any you know JP Morgan Barclays wherever it is and we then very flexible that's another great aspect of prism wherever you want You've got a hedge fund, it can go into a hedge fund, buy bonds. It's incredibly flexible. We've got money sitting in agriculture in Canada. So they then have that opportunity for the balance to grow whilst they're still making gifts out.
1: When you actually made the the decision to go and do your own thing, and obviously Regent Capital was the first move into that, was that a good feeling? Was it liberating knowing that it was your own baby as opposed to being an employee, or was it the opposite?
0: I was never a good employee I started life in Pepe Jeans and remember shouting at my boss then saying, do you have any idea how to work a photocopier? Really, for God's sake. And bossed people around from a very, from a very young age. And I think a corporate environment would never have worked for me.
1: Stay with me to find out um, why the corporate environment doesn't work for Anna Joss, my business shaper. Much more coming up from her in a couple of minutes, but first we got some words of advice from our
2: programme partners at Mish Gondare for your business. My name's Gary Miller, and my particular area of um, expertise is anything to do with dishonesty, bribery, corruption, and any disputes where people are investigating misconduct. Sadly, in um, the litigation world in which I live, disputes are often focused on the giving and receiving of gifts. In this current climate, and it's not going to get any better, um, is think twice about the nature of the hospitality and the circumstances of the hospitality that you're giving or receiving. Bounce off of your partner, your boss, your colleague, the appropriateness of what you're doing in terms of the how extravagant it is or isn't and get a sounding board for what you're doing because the way you should be looking at this is or thinking about this is what would happen if my competitor found out about what we were doing with this particular client or what this client was doing with us? Would they be able to make some form of of negative comment or would it portray me in a negative me or my client in a negative light and so i think that that's probably one of the best pieces of advice i can give people is think twice and think about what it would look like if a competitor found out about it
0: jazz shapers on jazz fm in partnership with Mish mishkondorea it's business but it's personal
1: You're listening to Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning from 9am sharp. If you ever miss the programme, and I hope you don't because you'll be on the naughty step if that happens, then you can go into iTunes and put in the words jazz and shapers. Uh, Alternatively, go to jazzfm.com for catch-up for a week for the last week's programme, or even a really natty little device. It's called Alexa. It's sitting there somewhere near you right now. You can enable Alexa by saying those words with enable jazz shapers and then say play jazz shapers, and everything will magically happen. Right in front of me, though, now I have Anna Joss, and she's um, the founder and CEO at Prism, the gift fund and we've been talking about importing clever things over here and um, and creating a new business, creating a new category. You said you were a bad employee. Um, many of my guests say this. Did you in those early months and years ever doubt that you'd made the right move towards creating this new way, this new more organised way of delivering philanthropic solutions?
0: No. I think maybe that, that that that's a key part of being an entrepreneur, just having an absolute self-belief and having, you know, and having a confidence. And, um, and, you know, I must give credit to Gideon as well, because having a business partner, I think helps. And he's brilliant at financial structuring. So, so he brings sense and numbers to, you know, any development and that that's important as well also to know where your limitations lie.
1: And in terms of those limitations, what would you describe them as for you? I mean, you, I imagine uh, alongside that self-belief, alongside the absolute focus it's going to work, is also a sense of your own limitations or insecurities, because that's natural. And if you don't confront those, you're not going to be able to build a team. So what when you build your team, what lack of skills are you addressing for yourself?
0: I, I find one of the hardest pieces... Um, is, is the staff and the management and, and having to look after that whole other piece. Because if you're an entrepreneur and you have an idea and you, and you start off down a path, you've actually got to do all the pieces of the puzzle. Um, having said that, when I set up New Ezra Fund, which is the, an American charity, and I set up the UK operation, um, I did everything. Literally, from direct mail to running events, to building a board, to um, raising money from major donors. And that whole element is very important as building blocks of, of, of running an operation because you've got to get your hands dirty in mm. every little aspect. So you really know about it. And in fact if I think about it I did a business degree originally and worked for a year for British Van Houston in Somerset and they sent me to the factory to make two shirts one shirt generally takes 26 minutes I spent two days
1: (laughs) (laughs) but it sounds like without the shirt making because obviously I know where I'm not going to go if I need a new shirt and it's definitely somewhere near you um it sounds like you quite like being in control though and that sense of doing it all yourself is almost although it's hard it's kind of easier it sounds like the team thing and then the delegation and the letting go is a bit trickier
0: I think you've hit it Mm. right
1: on the head but how do you manage that what would the team how would the team describe Anna CEO and founder, what would they say?
0: I need to be a bit softer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you need to let go of it, and
0: I need to let go. We can go. do this
1: therapy; it's free. This bit's extra. I'm not going to even charge you for the,
0: it. The, 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 the party that we ran last weekend uh, for for my family, uh, someone wrote to me and said, "Who's your event organizer?" I said, "Me." <laughs> um. <laughs>
1: I can see that's true. Stay with me for much more from Anna Josh. She's definitely in charge, but then that's kind of what it takes as well. Founder and CEO at Prism, the gift fund. Time small music. It's Alfredo Rodriguez with Besame Mucho. That was Bessame Mutra from Alfredo Rodriguez, a gentle take on that classic. Uh, Anna Joss is my business shaper, and we've been talking about um, uh, wanting standards to be high and making sure the team knows what's expected. Uh, where, I mean, you obviously enjoy all the aspects, or pretty much all the aspects of the business, and letting go, obviously, is one of the hardest things, and I think we've established that. Um What drives you now? You're 14 years on into the business. Uh, Is it just that it should be bigger? Is it that you should be better? Because there's more and more regulation. It's getting tougher. We're hearing, unfortunately, in the news, lots of stories about huge charities losing control because they're employing thousands of people around the world. What, for you, does success look like over the next three to five years?
0: So I think there are two answers to that question. One is why and why am I doing this and I always whatever I've always done I always want to do it to the best of my ability
1: and why do you think that what drives that in you Anna
0: it's inherent I can't do it any I don't know how to do it any other way it's just I can't do something you know when I have people for dinner I want the flowers there I want it, I can't do it any we're available other way. on
1: Friday by the way so it's <laughs> next week we're, we put, put it in the diary I, I bet you cook well <laughs> and you prepare the flowers or you organize whatever it is
0: yeah it's all it's ordered all Thursday yeah. night early Friday yeah. morning yeah. we'd love to have you um,
1: <laughs> but sorry yeah, so, and the other piece yes. the
0: other piece and we just had a great blue sky session with with our board um, in November and created a vision for the next few years and that vision is let's get to half a billion Let's get to half a billion. And why? Because we can shape philanthropy in this country if we let everyone know how easy it is to have a donor fund to encourage giving, to educate people to give. We, we can change the landscape and the amount that people give in this country. And that's that's our vision. That's where we're heading.
1: So shaping the, shaping the whole world of giving. It, within shaping, what, is there a part of it which talks about driving governance and accountability of the very charities you're giving to? Because it seems to me that that contract, that relationship, that sense of trust is being has been diminished slightly mm. and it needs looking after. How does a business like yours do that in the way that a vanguard in the asset management world would affect the governance of the businesses that it invests in?
0: So it is fundamental, the regulation that one's under as a charity and the giving, to know who you're giving to to get reporting back, to get accounts, particularly when you have people giving multi-year gifts. You're not going to give year two unless you're happy with what they've done with year one. And because we can gift all over the world, the kind of regulation and due diligence we go through before we can make a gift overseas is very extensive. So it's increasingly, you're right, increasingly burdensome running a charity, but there is our opportunity because lots of people do not want to create their own grant-making foundation or do not want to create their own operational charity and come to us to use our regulatory roof because we have that expertise.
1: And very briefly, on I think part of it is governance and regulation, but the other part's culture because what drives big organisations is a sense of values. Are you thinking about how you might help charities do that or is that beyond... Beyond the remit, I
0: think that is beyond the remit, and that's another lesson that I have learned. Because people throw things at yeah, me. Yeah, you can fix How that. About yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. How about doing that? How about you know the latest? Why don't you become the compliance expert for grant-making foundations and tell them all the new policies they need to create: policies on vulnerable people, policies on all, not on children? And I said, that's not what we do. One of our greatest strengths is the objective I set in two thousand and four remains the same objective today and that shows it works. So I'm not gonna get sidetracked.
1: In addition to the work that you're doing, and it's interesting because here's a here's a dichotomy coming up, you're very focused um, on th- the main thing which you set down in, in writing in 2004 and, and it's great that in November you put down a vision to kind of where where do we go and the half a billion under management is, is a great, it's a big vision. and shaping that industry, it's fabulous. You've also got other interests. Regent Capital is, is a vehicle for you and it's FCA regulated. And how do you find the headspace?
0: Slalom mono water skiing.
1: <laughs> of course, I didn't see that coming much. Uh, and when do you get a chance to do that? Is it whenever you can?
0: Weekends, 8.30 in the evening mm. through the summer. Did you ever, have you ever
1: encountered any obstacles because of your gender?
0: No, I I I don't think so, actually. I personally haven't. I think I've had to, over the years, probably play a game mm. sometimes. In what sense? Uh, stupid, arrogant, successful, powerful men who think they can take advantage. Um, I was never going to put myself in that position, but um, if that's what they thought, let them think that. Um
1: and do you see yourself as a role model or doesn't again does that not
0: not really not really um maybe one day, not really mm. maybe maybe a role model to my son i think I think maybe to him that's important
1: and of all the roles that you play what is the is the most important one being a mother rather than being a successful business person?
0: I think both are I don't think i I would be happy in life if I didn't have both actually mm.
1: Good luck. Uh, It's been really lovely talking to you and um, make sure that those team members are given a bit of space as well, just like She's space. You can do what you like. I'm sure they're very happy and they'll be listening and going, oh, she hasn't told you any half the (laughs) stories. Um, Yeah, really, really good luck. And I really do hope you can shape the industry because philanthropy is an incredibly important thing. and, And it's a great innovation to have brought it across in the way that you have. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it?
0: So it is Take Five by Dave Brubeck and the history behind that is my husband brought it first of all to me, he he, he told me about the music and then um, Dave Brubeck's son rented uh, a property from a charitable foundation which we were involved with and at the same time was playing in Ronnie Scott's um, and now my very talented son who's a pianist and a saxophonist is playing Take Five. So it's there in our lives. That
1: was Dave Brubeck with Take 5, the song choice of my business shaper today, Anna Joss. She identified an opportunity and she went hell for leather to make it happen here in the UK. She had huge amounts of self-belief and this has really helped ensure that she continues to drive her business forward. And finally, she understands the importance of focus. She's focused on what she will do and what the business will do, not what it won't do. Really, really good stuff. Thank you for listening today. I do hope you've enjoyed Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, here on Jazz FM. Stay with us for much more from the world of jazz, blues and soul.
0: Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.